we can think about the intimacy of listening and speaking in the normal way of the things that we share that might be delicate or uh, participate in some long history that you share with someone and, and it might have that quality of intimacy that comes with long time knowing each other from feeling the safety to say certain things. We can think of that aspect of the intimacy of speaking and listening. One of the things that I was actually quite surprised to discover as Insight Dialogue began to practice began to deepen for people over the years. And I was seeing the kind of intimacy that came of another sort, which was the intimacy of just being with another in awareness with or without speech. And that that quality of intimacy, which I called unconstructed intimacy, didn't matter what the history we shared or didn't share was. It was just when the awareness was bright, then there was nothing in between. You know, the defenses that hold us apart, the fears, the desires that hold us apart, right? When we have a lot of grasping at the other person, that also is a separating factor. And there's this other aspect of intimacy, which is so easy to overlook and it's happening all the time. And that's the intimacy of speaking and listening as this physical act that we usually completely take for granted. When we listen really, really carefully, the sensitivity of the ear organ is so spectacular that this little tympanic membrane is vibrating with the slightest changes of air pressure that are brought about by the slightest changes of pressure at our partner's abdomen or in their throat. We're hearing their breath. And the hearing, the act of hearing, what's happening physically is this delicate, delicate membrane is vibrating. And, you know, then it's moving the, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 it vibrates the fluid in the cochlea, this kind of spiral of fluid-filled flesh with hairs in it. And those hairs, they're floating in the fluid like kelp at sea. And as 
those pressure waves that come from this tympanic membrane vibrating this fluid. These hair cells are sensing that pressure. And at the root of each of those hairs is a nerve that goes straight to the brain. And that's the process of going from that energy of air motion on the tympanic membrane to something that we then interpret as sound. And the sound, forget about speech for a minute, I'm just talking sound. That sound is a direct coupling, direct representation of the body of the speaker. What else could it be? I'm stating what's obvious, right? So that incredibly refined sense organ is taking in so much beyond speech. We've learned without trying to learn it, just by growing up with our families or whoever it is we've been with as we were growing up from infancy. In, you, know, you, know that the, you know that the embryo quickly develops hearing ability. So even before birth into the outer world, we're hearing. And the recognition of the mother's voice is, well, I've heard anywhere from within an hour to a few hours to a day. It's very quick. What is it that defines a voice? It's the structure of the body and how that structure is moved as we speak. It's physical. So we have this refined capacity. You know how you can recognize your friend's voice even over the telephone, for God's sakes, which has a bandwidth like nothing, right? You can recognize that because of this amazing sensitivity this is always working, whether you pay attention to it or not. And the same way that we speak mindlessly, because we can, we're so good at it, right? We don't have to think about what words to say, we just out at spurts. Our listening is the same way. You're hearing in me right now all these changes in my voice that indicate to you something of my heart, of my mind. For one thing, obviously, you're hearing the pauses. You're hearing in these changes of pitch without my trying to be theatrical. I'm done with that. That was something earlier tonight. 
but just the way I'm speaking, which is natural now, you're sensing into, well, is, is, is Greg sincere? Does Greg know what he's talking about? Is he confident? Stuff like that. You're getting it. You're getting it. And as you get it, you're getting it because there is this intimate coupling between how my body, body vibrates and all these muscle changes and your ears, regardless of the words I speak. When my mother was old, she had Parkinson's and she went into this uh, way of being that I thought was a mis misadjustment of her drugs. In fact, it turns out she had a brain tumor and we didn't figure that out for another six months. I was with her, she was staying with me because my dad had just worn out, he just couldn't handle it anymore. She was staying with me at the time, I now know in retrospect, that that tumor had kind of invaded what I presume to be the speech area of her brain and other related areas, and she went into motoric speech, just constant pushed speaking, nonstop, until her voice would wear out around six or seven in the evening, and then the next day it would slowly start and until it wore out again. And after a day or two of that, the I guess the progress of this tumor, again, this is retrospect, I don't know this, <clears throat> words ceased to actually form, but she was still talking. And as she talked, it had the shape of speech completely. She was, as far as she was concerned, she was talking. You couldn't understand a single word but it had all the changes of pitch and all the phrasing of my mother. So here I am listening to this voice that you can imagine, perhaps from your own experience, how deeply imprinted on my being this voice is, was. And it had all the shapes and phrasings that are imprinted on me. And I'm listening to her. And, and by now I was you know, a long time meditator and I was being with it as fully as I could. I wasn't you know, really trying to avoid it or just get lost in fear and aversion. And it was this incredible experience of wave after wave of responsiveness without any language. We're all sensitive in this way, not just to our mothers, but to each other. So as we move into meditation and really ask the question, how does speaking and listening come into meditation?
while we'll give a lot of attention tomorrow to the speaking aspect and how we choose what we're going to say, how that relates to mindfulness, what we mean by speak the truth, what is truth in meditation, and even how that can come together with sufficient pausing to be a a genuine practice of developing with the focus on what we're attending to, not just mindfulness, but concentration, even as we speak, concentration. What is often lost is this meditative aspect of listening. So if you really want to listen and meditate, you have an opportunity here where the practice is intentional. And you you might say you have permission of the speaker to really listen. You know, it's not abnormal or intrusive to really, really listen. The kind of steadiness of attention that's involved in listening to the inside of the sound, it can be quite astonishing. Some of you may know that I have a background as a musician, composer, and studied this stuff. But the study was like surface dressing. The real thing was the listening. That was the real thing. And when we can come into relationship with the sound, in this case, the sound of another's voice, but it could be an orchestra, it could be a synthesizer, could be whatever. When we come into relationship with it, with this kind of intimacy that we've been talking about, there's a like a uh, finding the moment of the unfolding vibration of the sound with our attention and staying right there. It's both this incredible impermanence and incredible steadiness. You see what I'm saying? It's a concentration that moves, that is adaptable, flexible, and In some sense, I don't want to overstate this, but in some sense, the speech doesn't, the words don't matter in that sense. However, when we couple this quality of listening with a refined attention to, to the language that's also being shared, we get the power of both.
Right? We're listening to the music and touching that concentration, touching that intimacy. There's also a kind of that same concentration drops us into It's like a deeper river of meaning where we go beyond uh, a mind that too easily deals in cliches. We listen to what we expect to hear. And to do so is such a powerful and beautiful thing. From a meditative standpoint, obviously it's developing mindfulness, concentration. It has this quality of investigation. And it it is this talk about open, the external and the internal, the movement, how this language is unfolding and affecting me and and kind of moving inside all of my mental, emotional responses, you know? Someone says a single word, like let's say cancer, and there's this tremendous, you know, responsiveness to a word like that, or love, or you know, a million different words have that kind of power. Well, how do we rest in the attention to the other and all of this responsiveness internally? It's beautiful and powerful practice. I'm hoping that this is enough that tomorrow when we enter into the explicit practice of listening deeply and speaking the truth, which are the two guidelines we'll be working with, that you have maybe a sense of interest and hopefully, I guess I'm saying respect for the opportunity to go beyond or deeper into what's possible in meditation together with listening and speaking. You know, to really bring your energy, bring your attention, bring your curiosity, bring your practice, bring your practice. Okay? So we'll have just a few minutes of silence and then we'll close.